0: Um, but the next portion of the service, we were going to have our first missionary, share, uh, uh, Jesse and Alicia Chapman, uh, serving in Utah with Biblical Ministries Worldwide. Uh, and we were going to Zoom him in, and I was so happy because I was going to do all this techie stuff with Zoom over live stream and everything, have multiple cameras set up. It was going to be great. He texted me this morning and said, sorry, I just woke up with a 102 degree fever and can't speak. So be praying for the Chapman family out in um, Utah. I had a picture, but obviously it did not come through. Is it not on there? Oh, my goodness. Everything. Well, there you go. That is the picture of their family right there. It ate my picture. I'll have this on the back table. It's got a picture of their family. You can look at it. I'm going to read. This is their most recent update. It came on April 5th, so almost a month ago. They sent it before Easter, and they say, Easter is such a wonderful opportunity to remember the work Christ did on the cross and why we are serving him. It's also a great time to tell others about Jesus and the hope we can have in him. This Saturday, they had their second annual Easter in the Park outreach. Previous year, they had a great turnout, and we are excited to see how things go this year. We've still been having snow even that first week in April, but thankfully the weather report is clearing up for this weekend. The main attraction for the event is a candy launch, but we also do some games, giant bubbles and crafts. One of the crafts we're doing this year is wordless book bracelets, so we're excited for the opportunity to share the gospel with kids as they make their craft. This outreach has been taking a lot of our extra time right now with buying and collecting supplies, designing invitations, flyers, and tracks, and many trips to the print shop for each of these things. One of the things that Alicia designed this year were banners that we can hang at the outreach with information about our Easter Sunday service details. Uh, And they've got a picture of the banner there on this. You can look at it if you want to. Jesse preached on Sunday from Hebrews 12 on enduring discipline, and they got a link there. You can listen to the sermon. If you want to listen, you can let me know. We've been rejoicing to see our sanctuary unusually full the past couple of weeks with both visitors and our own church family that has grown over the past year to fill much more of our space. It's so encouraging to see God growing his church both numerically and spiritually. God is good and has provide, been providing continually for our family and housing needs, There have been continued issues and slowness in getting our mold situation sufficiently dealt with. They've got mold in their house. But more progress has been made, and we are thankful to know that Alicia, which is his wife, and Kendra uh, are not allergic to mold, so it's likely not as big of a health factor for them as we once thought. We appreciate all your prayers and gifts through this situation. We're also excited to see what God is doing next, as we are planning to move out of our apartment when our lease is up in October. Many of you have recently given special one-time gifts or increased your regular support, and we're hoping this might allow us to buy a home in the fall. We met with a mortgage agent this week to get a better idea of where we are at in the financial approval process. Please continue to be praying for us, with us that the housing market will work in our favor in the next couple of months, and that God would allow us to purchase a home if that is his will. We know that no matter what he is next for us, he'll provide all our needs and bless us beyond what we ask or think. They want prayers for Bible studies and discipleship meetings for a weekly men's Bible study that Jesse is leading. Uh, Alicia is counseling a young lady weekly, as well as taking a woman who's recently let, left Mormonism through a Bible basics study. They want prayer for direction and making decisions about housing. Praising the Lord for recent opportunities to build relationships with unbelieving friends and new neighbors. Uh, praising the Lord for additional support gifts that have come. And praising the Lord for church growth and the problems it brings with it of having to figure out how to use our space most effectively. So God is blessing their ministry that they're doing out there in Utah, reaching the Mormons out there. Uh, If you want to get their uh, quarterly, well, they fluctuate between monthly and bi-monthly updates. But if you want to get them, let me know. I'll get you on the email list. Uh, But be praying for them through that. With that, we will move to the next group, which is Josh Tidd is going to share with us about his ministry at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln with International Students Incorporated.
1: Thank you so much for having me here today, and thank you, Pastor Peter. Uh, so I was here five years ago, uh, pre-COVID. It seems like a completely different universe since that happened, I'm sure, for you guys as well. Uh, it's affected us probably in many of the same ways that you had. It has for you here, uh, but it was just a pleasure worshiping with you this morning. Just keeping in mind that the family of God today in many cities around the state, this country, around the world is gathering together in many different languages to praise our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And we just are thankful for that opportunity, just being able to travel to different cities and communicate about these things and being able to interact with international students has just kind of opened my eyes to the global kingdom of God and what's happening uh, regardless of whether it's a small town, a large city, or the middle of nowhere. Um, I do hail from the small village of Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, I know that might be a laugh for you guys, but uh, for most of our international students, that is true. They might be from a city of 20 million people in India or uh, from China. And believe me, Lincoln, Nebraska, there's a few taller buildings in there, but they come there and they wonder what kind of rural location they just pulled into when they arrive. The city only has one small terminal, and uh, you usually have to go to Omaha to get a decent airport. So anyway, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska is is, uh, where the ministry that we have is involved, and we thank you guys for your support. Uh, There's been faithful support from this church, and we're thankful for that, and we're also thankful for your prayers. Before I go any further, if you'd like to be on our prayer team, there are sign-up lists in the back. Uh, As you exit, there's a a trifold, and then there's a couple different sheets where you can sign up for your email list. We also send out um, paper, uh, newsletters occasionally, and we'd like to s- keep you guys informed with what's going on with the International Student Fellowship Ministry in Lincoln. Uh, how do I get this to progress here? Aha, uh-huh, okay, I figured it out. Thank you. So uh, up here is a photo of my family, uh, my wife Emily, and then our three children, Ezekiel, Evangeline, and baby Alice. So they go by Zeke, Eva, and Alice, and we, they would have loved to come up here and visit as well, um, but our two-year-old is, is not fond of long car rides right now, so she's probably keeping mama busy at our home church in Lincoln, so uh, what do we do? We develop friendships with international students. It might be uh, in the name of their International Student Fellowship. Um, when you think of evangelism, what do you normally think of? Are you thinking of maybe sending out tracts? Are you thinking of maybe street corner preaching? Maybe some valid approaches there. Um, Our particular type of evangelism is called friendship evangelism. So we meet international students. uh, We get to know them and build relationships with them first. And then we we try to share Christ with them over the course of time through a relationship. So many of you guys probably do the same thing with friends, family members. It's not really that different with people from other cultures. It just means you have to be aware of a little bit of the nuances that go with people from different religious or cultural backgrounds. Um, And of course, our goal, the Great Commission. You know, our goal is to make disciples and to allow them to serve the Lord. Um, I would like to say that we have tons of people coming into the Lord. We do have a few, but a lot of our goal is to bring them from one step of the journey, from a greater, from a less awareness of who Christ is to a greater awareness of who Christ is. And we trust that we're not the only ones that that's involved in this process. How does this happen? Well, At UNL, we have beginning of semester activities, so we have club fairs, welcome events, lots of different ways to meet students when they first arrive. Um, We also have social media platforms that provide opportunities to meet students. Sometimes we meet students, say, from Iran or uh, Nigeria before they even arrive because they're friends or they're people from their home country. Maybe they went to the same high school as them, tell them about our organization and how we can help them when they arrive and they get involved in our WhatsApp groups or our Facebook groups and things like that. We also host uh, help students with giving, with needs. I've been asked for rides to the Omaha airport, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, sometimes I say no, but oftentimes I say yes, and especially if it's a student that I've co- had contact with. Uh, we also move furniture. My pickup has gotten a lot of use in the past few months and especially uh, during this winter and the summer when the students tend to move apartments. Uh, This picture you see up here is at one of our public events over at one of the churches in Lincoln. Uh, We're a non-denominational ministry. We have a number of churches that participate with ISF at UNL. And this particular church, we host dinners there about once a month. And the table you see here is with uh, my friends Clarence and Twyla Gillette. Uh, They're on the left-hand side. And they're the ones who introduced me to this ministry. About seven, eight years ago, I've been involved full-time for about six years. And they're sitting with a table of students from India, um, I believe Switzerland, and Tanzania. So quite a variety of people there. This is usually how we meet a lot of the new students and develop relationships with them. And as you can see, we'll have some Americans paired with the international students and uh, it'll provide opportunities to discuss. Maybe we'll have a speaker and they can share uh, questions about their home cultures or if it's a spiritual discussion, uh, it leads to, to good opportunities to develop relationships. Besides the public events, we also go on trips. We have home groups, including game nights, Bible studies, things like that. And then more and more, we're trying to do more one-on-one relationships, more discipleship. This is an example of a Bible study, again, at Clarence and Twyla's home. Uh, This was actually just uh, on Friday, last week. So we had a table full of Nigerian students, I think about eight of them there. Uh, We have two students from Central America as well, and then... Several Americans, uh, that's not my wife, she's a helper from our church there. Uh, but this group was gathering together to discuss John chapter 3. Most of the people in this group are strong believers. That's been one thing that's changed since COVID. We used to have a lot of students that would immediately get involved in Bible studies if they're from China. Now we're finding more Muslim, Hindu students, and generally they don't come to Bible studies. It's more the Christian students we're encouraging through the Bible studies in church instead. I'm having to be one-on-one with people to share the gospel. So again, changes in five years, three additional children. Uh, that's a big change for our family. <laughs> As Emily would attest, she always says, we've been told when you go from two to three children, you're now playing, instead of man-on-man, you're playing zone defense. And I'd say that's pretty accurate. So uh, for those of you who have three children, just imagine now one-on-three. So that's what Emily's facing this morning. Uh, Staff team changes. When I first got involved in this ministry, there were three staff members. There are three staff members today, but I'm the only one that stayed the same. The two staff members that were there previously have now moved to Florida to be closer to family. They actually, Ron and Judy Spalding started this ministry outreach at Lincoln about 16 years ago, and they they have since moved on, but Beth and Brian Cordell, Brian is standing there on the left-hand side, They actually lived in Norfolk for a number of years. He was working for MP Global Products there. And so now he and his wife are back in Lincoln doing ministry with ISF. Uh, Again, changing student demographics, a lot fewer Chinese students. Um, We're not seeing as many of them. I think there's geopolitical tensions at play there. But we're seeing more from South Asia, especially places like India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, a lot of Muslim countries, even uh, Iran, Egypt, and then quite a few from sub saharan Africa as well. Uh, changing ministry methods, I already mentioned, instead of as many large group activities, we're doing more in-home gatherings, more hospitality, more one-on-one discipleship, and but the students still enjoy you know, going on a trip to Colorado or something occasionally. <clears throat> so, the biggest draw. I would say the number one thing that students want to do when they come to the United States, besides get practical help, is visit an American home. And I know this is a challenge for a lot of Americans because we generally like to keep our privacy. We like to have our fences. We like to have our neighbors a quarter mile away. That's how it was for me in Southeast Kansas where I grew up too. Uh, But the students are used to living in a lot closer contact in a lot of times and being over their neighbor's house, their extended relatives all the time. It gets exhausting for me, but that's what they really view as family. That's what they view as, as spending life together. So we try to have students in our home as often as practical, practical. and we encourage the volunteers who are involved in the ministry to do the same thing. So there's three staff members, including me. Uh, My wife is a very involved volunteer, and we probably have about 30 volunteers throughout different churches in Lincoln, gospel preaching churches in Lincoln, who participate in the ministry. Um, Many of them host home groups like this one. I would say that this is the most natural way to meet with non-believers, especially from Muslim and Hindu backgrounds. They really appreciate that reciprocal back and forth, hosting, hospitality, sharing meals together. But we don't just share the meal together. Sometimes we'll just play, have a meal and games, but a lot of times we'll try to discuss a topic like holidays. So what's a holiday that you think might have some significance in American culture and also might be a gospel opportunity? Any ideas? Christmas, exactly. What's another one? Easter, great. Even Thanksgiving. I mean, there's lots of different opportunities to bring up everyday cultural things of significance and tie in the gospel to it. Uh, so um, I would say that we've tried to had, have these groups pretty regularly, and I've had a lot of students ask some really good questions before as a course of these dinners. Generally, they won't like come to Christ in the presence of other people around, but it's a good opportunity to share more in depth. Uh, this guy, his name is Uche. He's from Nigeria. He's actually a pretty strong Christian. He's part of our leadership team. Um, but this is a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis. I get coffee and lunch with people, um, kind of what a lot of pastoral activity might look like. And that's honestly kind of what missions in some situations looks like as well. Uh, I just get lunch with them and then I almost always make it a point before we leave to ask, can I pray for you? And I would encourage you as well. I mean, if you have friends or contacts who aren't terribly open to the gospel, what's one thing that people appreciate? Usually it's praying for them. You know, my grandfather, before he passed, I I offered to pray for him, and he said, "Eh, if you think it makes any difference. So, I mean, sometimes you'll get people that just doesn't make a difference, but there's very few people who will say no. I mean, you can be the most hardcore Muslim out there, and they will generally appreciate prayer. So that's something I offer to do with students, and they generally appreciate it, and I'll do it for them right when we're sitting together. These are three uh, Central American students, Noe, Richard, and Axel. And I know only two of them sound like Spanish names, but there are they're, uh, two from Nicaragua and one is from Panama, and they are attending church with us. This was last Sunday. We had some uh, Mexican food afterward, and these guys are also part of our Leadership team and attend Bible studies with us, but we try to incorporate students into church activities when possible, not just our church, but many other churches in Lincoln as well. I think ISF is a strategic ministry. And why do I say this? There's a lot of good ministries out there, um, but there are places in the world that are hard to send missionaries. How many times have you heard of a missionary in Pakistan? There might be a few, but they're very secretive. I knew one, and he actually worked from another country, Dubai, to be able to have any access to the country. I, I probably know 10 Pakistani students in Lincoln right now. And so that's an example of how many countries are around Lincoln, Nebraska, or other college towns just because students want to come here to study in the United States. They speak English. I generally don't have to practice any. I don't use my Spanish skills at all. I have very minimal Spanish skills these days uh, because I don't have to use them. Um, I just speak English with the students and generally they are able to communicate pretty well. They're outsiders, they're looking for friends, they're looking for new experiences and we can offer that to them as Americans in our home culture, in our home environment, with our families, in our homes, help them feel welcome. And there's this statistic out there that only 25% of Americans have ever or of international students have ever visited an American home. So we want that to change. We think that is a huge opportunity out there that is not being taken advantage of and there are many churches throughout this country that can have that opportunity. Even here in Ely, Nebraska, there is a community college in, in Norfolk, not too far down the road, where there are international students and my coworkers came from there. Now granted, there's not as many, but they are still there and there are opportunities for this type of outreach locally as well. This box in the missions world is known as the 1040 window, and it includes a lot of countries that are hostile to Christianity and hard to send missionaries. Peter, you're looking at me with a knowing (laughs) look on your face. Uh, So most of these countries are either Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, or nationally atheist. So very difficult to send missionaries. Uh, And we would say that we are reaching the unreached right here in Nebraska, right here in Lincoln, uh, in Nebraska. And so I think it's a strategic ministry. I would encourage your partnership with us. I think it's a good thing to be involved in, obviously. I'm biased, but um, you can join our prayer team, as I mentioned, through a sign-up at the back table over here. Just uh, fill out your name and contact information if you'd like to receive those email updates about once a month or the mailing newsletters that I send out maybe a couple times a year. And finally, we are in need of financial support Uh, with the increasing cost of living due to inflation and a number of other things. We're looking to raise about an additional $1,800 per month for living expenses and ministry expenses. And so if you're willing to consider uh, peripherally financially uh, partnering with us, I'd be glad to talk to you, uh, or I can also send information by email. Our website also has information at joshandemilytid.com. You guys have any questions for me? How did I get involved in the ministry? Yes. Yes and no. Uh, there are other religious organizations that also have some type of international or yeah, international student uh, focus. Uh, I actually meet with a few of them for prayer occasionally, uh, but most of the volunteers get involved in our organization because they their churches don't have a parachurch organization that they're they're working with. So most of our volunteers are not with uh, any other particular missions organizations. Does that answer your question? Yes. My parents, uh, from a very young age, taught children's church and had me going through the the felt, uh, what's the, uh, the flannel graph training. And so from a very young age, I learned about the Lord and and i professed faith when i was a a child it actually took a lot longer before i got baptized Um, and that happened after i was in college i just recognized you know i had a faith in christ i had but i hadn't taken that step of obedience and so in college actually where i started attending my current church is where i first got baptized and i yes lord i want to be a follower of yours uh, not just in name but also in action We have. Actually, there is a Navigators uh, Memory Verse uh, series that we use oftentimes with discipling students. So Navigators has a very similar approach to us in that they focus on the one-on-one discipleship. And it is effective. It's effective where you, whether you're an American. It's effective whether you're a Chinese. It's just those relationships. Making disciples often includes a lot of long-term relationships with people. It's not necessarily just a one-time proclamation of the gospel, although that's important. But we, we really value those discipleship times yes in terms of ministry i think one of the challenges a lot of our volunteers are getting older um, we've had a few volunteers even clarence and twyla who are in their upper 70s now and we don't have as many younger people getting involved even in lincoln nebraska where there's plenty of people on campus there's not as many younger people getting involved, that want to uh, encourage the discipleship, want to show that hospitality. And so we're trying to reach out to some churches in Lincoln to continue to recruit volunteers because uh, the fields are white for the harvest, right? And there's not enough laborers for it. So we're really praying that God would raise them up. Um, even in a big city of like Lincoln, you sometimes have trouble finding those disciple makers. And in terms of ministry itself, um, I'd say both the financial aspect but also With a growing family and responsibilities, it becomes a lot more pressure with how to divide time between family responsibilities, church commitments, and then ministry to the international students. So trying to find those boundaries for time. I've had to say no to a lot more students that want to help moving furniture, um, going getting me rides to the airport, although I still do that, and prioritizing on fewer relationships and a lot more time invested. So setting boundaries, that's always a tough thing too. Any other questions? How, how do you follow up sorry? How do you follow up after they graduate? Do you have a continuing discipleship program? Do, do the students stay around in Nebraska or do they go back home or how do they how do you keep up those relationships? It depends. So there's no generalization there. There's some students that stay in the US. A lot of them want to stay here, but <laughs> I mean, sometimes they have, want to go back for family. Sometimes they can't because of visa issues. they have to return home. That's a good thing from our perspective because it means if they become come to Christ here, they're going back to their home country and becoming disciple makers back in a foreign country that may not have very much access to the gospel. But there are a lot of students that stay in the United States, but they move to bigger cities. I know a guy in particular in Davis, California, who t- came to Christ through uh, hearing about Christ through our missionaries through a ministry. He's now in Davis, California doing a postdoc position. Um, And I meet with him on Zoom, you know, at least probably once a month. I just met with him last week. And it's just hard to hear these situations because like his family is back in China. But he doesn't want to go home to China because he wants to live here in the United States, which means that he needs to find a job here and be able to stay on a visa long term to get permanent residency. So there's a lot of different situations. Did that answer your question? Did you have another something else? Okay. Yes. In some cases decades. Um, I've met some students, like the Chinese student that I mentioned in Davis, California. He came to one of those large group events like I showed on the on the screen. He, I invited him to Bible study with the Gillettes. This has been like probably five years ago. Now, he came on the first time. He started coming for a whole year every time we met. At the end of one year, uh, he basically said he was ready to follow Jesus. And then he, he, he uh, got baptized, he brought his family back over from China. They got to see him get baptized, too. Uh, It was a good experience. And then there's some people. I met a guy who looks like he's in the Taliban, and he has a beard down to here. Uh, He knows his Quran really well. I mean, he he won't eat any of the meat here in the United States because it hasn't been processed in a halal way where they say, like, some Islamic prayer over it or something before they eat it. And so he's very strict Muslim. Uh, But I still meet with him somewhat regularly but if he comes to to Christ like I don't expect it to be a quick process it's going to be a number of interactions probably not just with me it's going to be dozens of Christians having an impact on his life over years maybe even decades but the lord is can overcome those things so yeah thank you very much for having me today
0: Uh, could I have a volunteer to pray for Josh, Emily, and their ministry? I will call someone out. Chuck, <laughs> okay.
1: Father, we're so so glad that we have people like
0: this come and speak to us and enlighten our hearts. As you said, one man water. One man speaks,
1: but you give the increase. So we might not know exactly what we're doing as usual, but you do, Father, and we praise you for it. Uh, Please give all of these people that present your word to others uh, strength, courage, and the ability to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks, Chuck. Now, uh, the next person that's going to speak, uh, I'm going to ask uh, Bastion to stop our live stream. So everyone who's watching live, we'll see you. Have a great week um, because uh, their ministry can't be put on the web. So you let me know when you've stopped the live stream on the OBS. We're good? All right. Okay. So you want to introduce yourselves? All right at the beginning so the person speaking at the